Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're looking today at Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 through 14, continuing our series in the book of Jonah. So far we've seen the Lord's word appear to Jonah, telling him to get up and go from Israel to the great city of Nineveh. Jonah rises up and flees in the opposite direction. He goes down to the city of Joppa, gets on a ship, goes out into the ocean to flee as far away from Nineveh as he possibly can. The Lord hurls a storm after him on the ocean. Uh, They wake Jonah up from his slumber to ask him to cry out to whatever God he worships. And then in in, uh, our most recent episode, we saw Jonah uh, being accused of Uh, the calamity that has fallen upon the sailors through the storm as a result of the casting of lots. I'm going to start reading from verse 9, and we'll read through verse 14 of Jonah chapter 1. He, that is Jonah, said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased." We saw in verse 9 that uh, Jonah confesses to being a Hebrew and to fearing the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land and made the comment that God was able to use Jonah to witness to these Phoenician sailors even in spite of his rebellion and in spite of his disobedience. Uh, This is not an incidental on the part of God. It's not sort of a happy accident. In other words, Jonah is not necessarily outside of God's will at this point, because as absolutely sovereign, God's will oversees everything. He knows even the evil intentions of the human heart, and his plan is not thwarted. He, uh, knows in advance what's going to happen uh, as a result of human wickedness. So God intends all along to reach these sailors, even in spite of Jonah's rebellion. Uh, Jonah's rebellion was known beforehand and was actually used by God, ultimately in chapter 1 here, to bring blessing to these sailors. Now, I don't want to give the impression that we can go about living our lives however we want to, disobeying the Lord, and that God will just sort of work through us uh, anyway. God can use us in our unbelief and our rebellion 
Uh, however, he desires from us obedience and to follow after uh, him. If he can use us kicking and screaming, how much more effective would we be if we cooperated with him and worked alongside rather than opposed? So Jonah is not an example of how we are to live necessarily at this point in the chapter, but we do have the, the thought and the idea that God's plan is not thwarted by the evil and sinful actions of human beings. He in his sovereignty can even work through uh, those ill intents. In verse 10, we have the men responding to Jonah's uh, uh, confession here. They became extremely frightened and said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Again, there we see that phrase from or away from the presence of the Lord that's recurring throughout this chapter. Jonah is attempting to flee from the Lord's presence. The power of God is now on display through the storm for these sailors to see. They're frightened by the storm and they're frightened by Jonah's confession that it is on his account that this storm has come, that he fears the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah had told them, we learn here in verse 10, that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence. Where did this occur? Well, it doesn't actually occur in the text. The author is telling us retrospectively, oh, and by the way, uh, they knew this about Jonah because he had told them uh, what he was doing and that he was attempting to flee from the Lord's presence. I think this is an illustration that in the text of Scripture, not everything is written down. We, had, we don't have all the details recorded. Authors are selective in their presentations of the facts. They have an agenda that they're trying to present. Uh, and so we don't necessarily learn all the details, but we have enough to get some of the main points across uh, that the author is trying to present and ultimately that the divine author that God himself is trying to communicate through the text. So the men ask Jonah, how could you do this? They would have been terrified at this point, knowing that Jonah, Jonah was in uh, willful rebellion against this particular God. In verse 11, they said to him, what should we do? that the sea may become calm for us, for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Now, that's a scary thing to think about because at the outset of this storm, these Phoenician sailors are horrified and terrified and crying out to their different gods. And the text presents this as a storm that is getting increasingly worse as time goes on. It is getting more tumultuous. The wind is blowing harder. The sea is raging uh, more fiercely. And so the men are asking Jonah, what is it that we have to do? What do we need to do? I remember several years ago driving uh, about a nine-hour distance at one time through an ongoing storm. It was in the Midwest, and it was just raining all day long. And I kept thinking to myself, 
it can't get any worse than it currently is, so I should just keep going and eventually I'll come through it. But as the day progressed, the storm actually continued to get worse and worse and was stronger and stronger. So sometimes the thinking that we have, if we can just get through the next few moments, is not accurate thinking. I'm sure that the sailors were perhaps thinking they could wait out the storm, but as it gets increasingly worse and worse, they would have realized uh, this is a divine judgment on Jonah, and there's only going to be uh, some kind of solution surrounding this individual. So they ask Jonah what they need to do. In verse 12, Jonah replies with a solution for them. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Now, very interestingly, the same word is used here for throwing or casting that is used repeatedly throughout this chapter. First, God throws a storm onto the ocean, and then the men attempt to help their situation by throwing or casting the goods from the ship overboard to lighten the load. Now Jonah is saying, you need to pick me up and throw me into the sea. Uh, it, it is interesting to see here how the Lord's initial throwing of the storm will eventually lead to the prophet being thrown overboard in the verses that follow. So he tells the men to cast him into the sea. What is his motivation for what he's saying at this moment? Do we have a suicidal prophet, a desire for, for his death on his own part at this time to somehow escape the wrath of God. That's possible, but I think based on uh, what, what is said in the rest of verse 12, for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Very interestingly, it seems that Jonah has some concern for the sailors on this vessel. I think that's interesting because apart from this circumstance, he may have never known these individuals. They were probably most likely not uh, Israelis or Israelites at this time, and they uh, would have been uh, Gentiles, heathens in the mind of Jonah. Why should he have regard for them? But based on some of the phrasing in verse 12, it seems that he has regard for them and considers their plight as being his fault. He knows that it's come as a result of his attempt to flee from the Lord. So I think he's feeling some guilt here, some sorrow for the sailors, a realization that God has come specifically after him, and all of the uh, pain and suffering that the others are enduring as isn't a result of his issue. In verse 13, after telling the men that they should pick him up and cast him overboard into the sea. The men, to their credit, do not immediately go along with Jonah's request. Uh, they are not simply bloodthirsty barbarians that have no regard for human life here. Even at this point in human history, uh, there is something of a regard for, a basic regard for the preservation of life. 
So the men attempt to row, and my translation says desperately to return to land, but they could not do it for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. So we see again this idea that the storm is progressing, it's increasing, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Human effort in the face of God's wrath always, always comes up short. God is offended and he is angered by sin. And no amount of doing good or living rightly can undo the sinful things that we have done. There's no way on human, the human part to balance the scales. God's standard is perfection. And anything that uh, comes short of that means that we do not attain that perfection. We are not, by our own works, able to satiate the wrath of God against sin. That is not something that human beings are capable of doing. And it's demonstrated here in verse 13. As hard as they try, they cannot fix their situation. So in verse 14, finally, after all of their efforts have failed, the sailors Pray to the Lord. They call on the name of the Lord and say, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Now, this may initially seem uh, kind of strange to our thinking today. Why would God hold them accountable when he sent this storm after Jonah if they were to take Jonah and throw him into the sea? I think it helps to remember the pantheon of gods in the ancient world. And some of these heathen gods of the, the uh, Gentile peoples were very, very fickle. Uh, they would say one thing, and if human beings would obey, they would do another thing. So the gods could not necessarily be trusted. The sailors are concerned with the preservation of their own lives, and if they do this thing to Jonah, they want to make sure that this God is not going to suddenly turn on them and become angry that they have suddenly thrown his prophet overboard. They do not know the character of God. They see him as one of their own gods who may act very sporadically and change his mind after they uh, do this thing to Jonah, throw him overboard. But the God of the Bible is not fickle. He's stable. He's consistent. He's true to his word. And he does not alter his character. He stands apart from any other so-called God in that he is true to what, do what he says he will do. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.